You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Varallo. Good evening, Jet Nation Radio. Uh, this is your solo host tonight, Alex Varallo, uh, filling in for Glenn. Uh, and uh, tonight's episode will be a little bit shorter than normal. Uh, running solo is not as easy without my compadre, Glenn. But I'm going to do the best that I can to keep uh, the listeners entertained through these crazy times that we're going through. I believe we're all in need for a little bit of distraction and the NFL free agency definitely serves up plenty of that. Uh, so we're going to get right into it tonight. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the wide receivers, um, obviously offense and defense. Um, some familiar names have come back, and we've actually added some new players as well uh, to Greg Williams' uh, team. So this, this is very exciting. And we're also going to get in-depth about the offensive line because that has been – the most uh, addressed position at this point in time uh, by our, our new general manager, Joe Douglas. Uh, so let's just go th- right to the Jets free agency tracker, and I'm just going to take you through the timeline of who we've signed since our last episode, which was March 18th. Coming back, we've come to terms with Arthur Mollett which is a very good depth piece. He started several games for us last year and did an admirable job. We're also bringing back linebacker Neville Hewitt and James Burgess. Uh, They were forced into starting roles last year, and considering they did pretty darn well, uh, obviously we know that we'd like to see uh, more of C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson this year, but in the event, we know that we have some good players uh, behind those those two guys. Uh, we also added some depth on the offensive line, bringing in a six-year vet in Josh Andrews, who has some experience at guard and center, so possibly uh, maybe going to compete uh, for one of those interior guard positions. Um, I'd imagine Connor McGovern has the position locked down at this year to date, but uh, you never know how Joe Douglas Uh, foresees this offensive line coming together. Uh, We brought in a defensive back, which will be our third safety, Marquis Christian, the Rams last year. Um, Just a depth piece and a special teams guy from what I've read. Uh, We also brought in Greg Van Roten. Uh, Please forgive me if I mispronounced that. I've heard it pronounced multiple ways, Um, but I feel like we got a good one here. Uh, Apparently he is he grew up as a Jets fan and is a local guy from this area. Uh, so he put out a tweet when he got signed on March 21st, I'm coming home, take flight. So very exciting to see um, how certain free agents are actually excited about the opportunity to come to this team, even though sometimes the media has a portrayal that uh, this is one of the, I guess, not as attractive places to go to. Uh, But I feel that with the Jets position, uh, there's a lot of opportunity uh, for players that maybe 
have not hit their stride yet to, uh, you know, showcase what they can do and, and what better market than New York. Um, we uh, go into the defensive side. We brought in Pierre Desir, um, who I believe is currently probably going to be our number one corner. Uh, he's on a one-year deal for $5.5 million, bit of a show-me contract. Um, not exactly uh, the youngest guy uh, in free agency. I believe he's 29 or 30 years old. Uh, so he has experience and uh, not a lot of money committed there. But from what I've heard is he did pretty well in 2017 and 2018. Uh, had a little bit of a rough year in 2019. But uh, that doesn't mean that he can't excel in Greg Williams' defense, as we've seen lots of players do last year um, that came up either as a UDFA or a free agent or even a practice squad guy. We saw a lot of good things come from the cornerback position in Greg Williams' scheme. So hopefully uh, this guy can reach his ceiling for us because we do need some good play from the outside. Um, now, probably one of my favorite signings of the week, um, something Glenn and I talked about at length, and uh, we were pretty um, not sure if Jordan Jenkins would be coming back, we were anticipating a double-digit uh, style contract um, given from what we've seen other free agents getting in previous off-seasons. Um, apparently the market was not as expensive as we all assumed for Jordan, but you won't find anybody happier than me that we've got Double J back, uh, you know, playing that edge position, uh, very good run defender, a good situational pass uh, rusher. And from what I was told is he also had opportunities um, and offers from the Patriots and the Ravens. Um, now we all know about the notoriety with those two teams. And I think that really says a lot about Jordan, um, Greg Williams, and the New York Jets in general uh, for him not going to uh, other competitive teams. Uh, the Patriots have not missed the playoffs um, I guess in a decade or so, um, and the Ravens last year were knocking on the door um, in one of the top-rated teams in the AFC. So you have to say that that's a very, very good sign about this organization that one of our homegrown guys decided to come back to New York rather than testing uh, the waters elsewhere. Um, and now the most previous signings that we've had is we brought in a linebacker and I'm going to butcher this one. His name's Patrick Anuwasur. Um, he also has a nickname called Peanut. Apparently, he was an inside linebacker that played with C.J. Mosley. And one of our last pre-agent signings that we had was Bashard Perriman. This was a wide receiver from the Bucks. Uh, we got him for a $6 million guaranteed deal with incentives that could get him up to $8 million. I'm not sure what those incentives are or how he could get the maximum amount of his contract. I'm sure there's probably a lot of things with starts, receptions, yards, touchdowns, all that good stuff. Uh, but if it ends up just being a $6 million deal, uh, I think that's pretty good. And one of the reasons why the Jets went ahead and did that is because we suffered our first big free agency loss um, in Robbie Anderson. Uh, he signed with the Carolina Panthers, reunited with his old college coach, Matt Rule. Um, this is something that Robbie was asked about in one of his off-season interviews, and he flat out said he would not mind a reunion um, with them. And uh, some things that I saw 
from the guys on the beat from Twitter was that there was a deal that was offered to Robbie Anderson near the end of the 2019 season, but he was firm, he and his agent, and they went ahead and they they said that uh, they want to test the market and, and see what everyone else in, in the league thinks how much his services would cost. And he didn't want to short sell himself by uh, immediately signing with the Jets before the 2019 season. Um, now, my opinion, I feel that this was something that the Jets probably should have addressed while Mike McCagnin was still general manager of this team. Um, he made the decision to extend Quincy Inunua, and we love Quincy Inunua. He's a physical guy, and he's a great player. Uh, unfortunately, he has not been lucky to stay healthy the last couple of years, so a lot of people have been scratching their heads on, on why Inunua was given an extension while he was injured, and a healthy Robbie Anderson, who has been streaky, a little inconsistent throughout his career, but always seems to step it up a notch or two, and his best play seems to be in those November, December months over the last two years, and he and Sam were on a couple hot streaks for a few weeks, so a little unfortunate that he's gone, but we wish him well. Um, new opportunity for him. We'll see uh, you know, what he can do on his two-year, $20 million deal. Um, a lot of Rumors and speculation were thrown around. Uh, Boomer Esiason came out and stated that the Jets offered him four years at $40 million. Uh, it was very interesting to see last night how Robbie Anderson and his agent um, came out on social media and refuted all those rumors and said that none of them were true. So believe what you want. Uh, we know that this is uh, a game of you know, rumors and speculation, and people put stuff out there uh, just so that everybody uh, – doesn't have a full understanding of what's going, what they're trying to do from the front office point of view. Uh, but before I go ahead and get, and get too far ahead of our myself here, um, I want to plug in our sponsor, Mile Social. Uh, you can follow them at m i l e s o c i a l dot com. Okay, this is a social media management service. Um, they offer a complete transformation of social media presence with high quality content, daily activity, and increasing your followers. They provide social media advertising, web design and management, and search engine optimization. Uh, so look no further if you're looking to get your company out there and have a bigger social media presence. Mile Social is the way to go. Okay, so I'm going to go right into conversation with the wide receivers at this point. Uh, a lot of people uh, are now uh, speculating that because of this loss of Robbie Anderson, that the Jets need to restructure their game plan when it comes April for the NFL draft. And without a doubt, they must draft wide receiver with their first pick at pick 11. The two people that constantly keep coming up in conversation, uh, number one, C.D. Lamb, and number two, Jerry Judy. Both phenomenal receivers. Uh, you could look at different big boards. Some people have Lamb pegged as number one. Some people have Judy. I think it's just a matter of what does your offense do? How's your scheme running? And where do these two guys fit in? Now, I feel that either of these players fit in any scheme. But, uh, you know, as we know, offensive coordinators, they have their guys and there are certain things that, 
you know, I've heard about the differences between those two, uh, mainly that C.D. Lamb played majority of his snaps as an outside wide receiver, where Judy played some inside and some outside, but was featured a lot on the inside as a slot receiver. A lot of people seem to think that that's a negative. I don't see it that way, but apparently experience and working your way through man coverage and press and playing on the outside is a monumental factor when it's coming to evaluating wide receivers. So, like I said, it's just a matter of what's your cup of tea. Um, But do I feel personally that the Jets need to target a wide receiver in round one? Not right now. Um, As crazy as that may seem, uh, as Glenn and I have talked about at length, this is probably one of the most talented wide receiver classes that we have seen in years. Uh, You know, they're projecting about 20 to almost 30 wide receivers to go within the first, you know, three rounds, four rounds. So that's almost, if you were to do an average, a wide receiver every three to four picks. So that just kind of tells you that there's a lot of talent to be had out there. Uh, There's speed, there's size, there's possession style receivers, good route runners, guys that win in the red zone. Uh, It's just a matter of what, what kind of player you think is going to fit into your offensive scheme. So going for one of the top wide receivers would absolutely be good for Sam Darnold's development. I cannot argue that. But at the same time, I think protecting him is probably the most logical thing to do. Uh, the Jets have made a lot of moves on their offensive line at this point in time. But we are also bringing in a player in George Fant, who is a swing tackle, has a little bit of ex- starting experience, not a lot. Uh, he's played on the left and the right side. And I believe last year he had to come in and play left tackle for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, He got one of the more lucrative contracts as far as our free agents are concerned. Uh, Three years, 30 million, 10 million per. Uh, But we do have options in that second year um, if things do not go well. So at the moment, considered a starter. But things can change rapidly, as we know. And I don't think that it is a complete lock that the Jets are not going to go for an offensive tackle if that's available. Now, I've heard some arguments and I've heard some debates saying that, you know, there's a possibility of all four offensive tackles being gone before pick 11, um, that the Jets shouldn't reach for the fourth best offensive tackle. Um, And I don't see it that way. Um, I've looked at a lot of analysts and I've seen some big boards and seeing where they're ranking these players. And not one analyst has these offensive linemen in the same order. Uh, In many months ago, back in January, not too far, uh, Andrew Thomas was the consensus number one. Now he's kind of slid down the board a little bit. People are talking about him as the number two, possibly number three prospect as far as offensive tackles are going. And Jedrick Wills and Mekhi Becton have moved up the board. Makai um, Becton was talked about as a second-round pick. Now he's being talked about being inside the top ten. Uh, and then you want to talk about Tristan Wirfs, maybe the most athletic of all these four offensive linemen that I've mentioned. So I don't see it as a consolation prize. I don't see it as reaching. If you were to end up with one of these four players at pick 11, and I think that it would absolutely be the right thing to do 
because protecting Sam for the long term has to be priority number one for this front office as far as I'm concerned. I understand that we need better cornerback play. I understand that we need a pass rusher. We haven't had one from uh, John Abraham. But at the end of the day, if your quarterback is not upright and he's not able to go through his progressions and read the defense without seeing ghosts, then it's not going to work. So the Jets have to put more attention into the offense and the offensive line. You know, given with all the injuries that we had in 2019 defensively, the Jets still found a way to be competitive in the last eight games of the, the season, going 6-2. and two. Uh, Their defense, their run defense exclusively, was phenomenal. Uh, top five, I believe, is what they ranked as far as uh, stopping the run. Um, and what Greg Williams did is he didn't force the issue with his backup players that he had to put into a starting role. He analyzed what they could do. He put them in the right position. He maybe dialed up a little bit more of a drop-back zone-style scheme in certain situations rather than leaving his corners out on an island stuck to man-on-man coverage for 80% of the game and wearing out their legs and not having any um, anything left in the tank in the fourth quarter. So he put together really, really good game plans with what can be considered not very great talent. So I'm not as concerned about our defensive needs as I am on the offensive side. So as much as I do want um, the Jets to improve the edge in the cornerback position, the offense still needs to remain the priority of protecting Sam and getting him as many targets, um, quality targets, that is, as possible. So Robbie Anderson's gone. Bashard Perriman's in. He's joining a group uh, with Jamison Crowder, uh, Ryan Griffin, Chris Herndon, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I believe Braxton Berrios is still under contract. I'm not sure which Smith is on there. could be Vincent Smith or uh, Josh Smith. So at the moment, the wide receiver positions are not something to brag about. And, I, and that's why I understand why people want to go for Lamb or Judy at number 11. But, you know, my rebuttal is there's a lot of receivers out there. Go to YouTube, have some fun, look them up. You'll see that on day two, second round and third round, Jets have four picks in the first three rounds. So those are all premium picks. We can easily get our offensive tackle in the beginning for the first round, and then we can address offensive targets and playmakers for Sam Darnold on day two in the second and third round. So that's where my head's at as far as going in on this, you know, these holes and missing out on Robbie Anderson. Uh, The truth is, is that we found Robbie Anderson as a UDFA. All 32 teams passed on him in the draft, and we found a diamond in the rough. I'm not saying that the Jets can do that again, but you have to think that the mindset from the front office is, is that they found a gem too long ago and they can find another gem at the wide receiver position again. So trust the process. Um, as crazy as that may seem, we got to see what Joe Douglas has to offer, where his head is at, and how he wants to build this team. You know, it's impossible to right all the wrongs from last year and the years previous in one offseason. 
But I do think that we are on the right path because we've brought back a lot of familiar faces on defense. So there's not going to be a lot of extra work that needs to be done. And as far as getting people acclimated with, with the scheme, um, a lot of it's going to be on Adam Gase in this offense. That's where the hardship is going to come. Can Adam Gase with a whole heap of new players on, on his side of the ball, his game plan, live it, breathe it, and produce it every Sunday for 16 weeks out of the year? That is going to be the focal point of the Jets' success this year. So, uh, you know, I think that getting everything on paper for Sam Darnold is probably going to take two years, respectively. And this year, we got to take a step. We have to get above 500, as far as I'm concerned, as a record total. And we have to take those steps and develop Sam Darnold and put him into the conversation to where we will be talking about him in 2021 as one of the top quarterbacks in the league. So that's the focus. Protect Sam, bring in some talent, and continue to work on his development to make him the best player possible. So before I go and uh, continue on the the offense here, I want to go back to the defensive side and uh, talk about this linebacker um, that was brought in, uh, Patrick Peanut. And here's what's interesting is that the minute that he got signed, and, and I completely get where fans are coming from, we've brought back James Burgess. We brought in this guy named Peanut. We brought in Neville Hewitt. We already have Blake Cashman on his second year of his rookie contract. And we have two what I feel great starters in the inside in Avery Williamson and C.J. Bosley. A lot of people are thinking now with Avery Williamson's contract, and he is the currently the fourth highest paid player on this roster at $8.5 million. Now, if the Jets were to cut him, they could save $6.5 million and only have a $2 million cap hit. But what are you going to do with that $6.5 million? Are you going to allocate that maybe toward a Jamal Adams extension? Or are you going to take that money and throw that at an edge position and try to get a premier edge defender in free agency before the draft comes? There's a lot of things. (coughs) Getting a little dry here. Holding the conversation by myself. Excuse me, folks. So it gets a little iffy on where the Jets are going to go with this linebacker position because they do have plenty of guys. And if they were to make a cut, it would give them the opportunity, whatever money they have left, and throw it toward a big-time pass rusher, which is definitely a very, very big need. If you look at all the playoff teams, they all have a few common themes. Excuse me again. They have very good quarterback play, good offensive lines, playmakers on offense, a solid defense. Most of them have elite pass rusher or two. So if the Jets want to be in the conversation of the postseason, they're going to have to start replicating what other successful teams have done in the past. So 
Uh, where do I feel about Avery Williamson this year to date? I'm intrigued. I actually would like to see what Greg Williams' defense would look like with a healthy Mosley and Avery Williamson. We were all anticipating that and expecting that last year. As we know, we lost Williamson in preseason, got a little bit of extended play, and had a fluke uh, situation to where he got didn't get blindsided, but he did not see the hit coming and got his knee taken out from underneath him while he was in red zone defense. Um, didn't look very bad, but we came to find out he damaged his ACL and needed reconstructive surgery, done for the year. We all know the story of Mosley. He was playing phenomenal, had a defensive touchdown week one, and made a, a, a touchdown-saving play, past deflection in the red zone, and pulled his groin. Never could recover it. Pretty much lost him for the entire year. He tried to come back. So I would like to see the two, what these two can do predicated on the success that we had defensively because we were working with practice squad and fourth, fifth string guys in those positions, and we were still one of the top run defenders in the league. So I'm very intrigued to see what those guys can do. But if you were to tell me right now that signing off on a player, maybe like to the Avion Clowney, which is a name I see a lot, or an Everson Griffin, at the, you know, aspect of cutting Avery Williamson, I might do it. Uh, Now, what may be the better thing to do is maybe find a trade suitor. You never know what's going to happen between now and week one. So maybe you can get a, you know, a deal done before April and you get another third, fourth rounder into the mix. Maybe that's the route that they go. You save a little bit of money, you get a big guy off the the payroll, it's a man-up process. Or possibly you trade him and you get more picks for 2021. It's also a pretty lucrative move to do, I believe, as well. But as of today, with everything that's going on, the Jets have $36 million I'm seeing on overthecap.com. And what I've noticed here is that Greg Van Roten is not on this list, so I don't know what the terms are of his deal. This is something that I've seen the last few days or since he got signed last week. What is his contract? How much are we paying this guy? Could be $8 million, could be $9 million, could be $10 million a year. Really, really not sure. So until that deal gets signed, you know, I'd have to imagine that the Jets are going to be under $30 million after they they sign uh, Greg Van Roten. Now, what ways can they get more money? Now I'm going to transition back to the offensive line here. Um, There's a player named Brian Winters on the team. And as we've talked about, his contract this year is worth $7.2 million. And if we were to cut him before June, before draft, we would save $7 million, zero dead money cap hit. So if the Jets want to find ways to get more money on this payroll, maybe letting go Brian Winters and parting ways with Avery Williamson, now you're talking about having another 
13, almost $14 million back onto your salary cap. That makes room for Jamal Adams extension and possibly going out and getting a big-time pass rushing free, free agent before we go into the draft. So there are some ways that we can get some money here. There are ways that we can address specific needs before we get to April. So these are all things that will probably unfold within the next few weeks. Really not sure what's going to happen. Uh, but as of right now, my guess would be is that Williamson stays and Winters probably goes. That would be my guess right now. And I know that's not, you know, earth-shattering, uh, you know, speculation here. A lot of people have talked about that. So to continue the conversation on the offensive line, to give you a little preview here of what we're looking at as of March 26th, uh, George Fant is our left tackle. We have Alex Lewis at left guard. Connor McGovern is our center. Greg Van Roten is our right guard. And Chuma Doga is our right tackle. Do, what do I think that the Jets should do? Is this the crew that they should go with into week one? The answer for me is no. I want better. I don't want to settle for mediocre Throughout the years, we as Jet fans have looked at castaways from other teams. We've paid them absurd amount of money, and we've all hoped and talked ourselves into these guys hitting their ceilings and becoming phenomenal players for, for the Jets. And quite frankly, there has been less of those players that have not lived up to their contracts in recent history, which is why I – Definitely have been a fan of the way Greg Williams, I'm sorry, uh, Joe Douglas has made these contracts. Uh, some of our offensive linemen were three-year deals, but we have options here too to where if things don't work out, we can cut ties and it won't be that much of a cap hit on our salary. Uh, we also have a lot of prove-it deals, which is actually very, very good because prove-it deals uh, normally – get the best out of, of that player because they know that they're not tied long-term. They're going to be hitting the market again, you know, a year from today, and they've got to ball out in order to get that big payday, payday contract extension or mega deal that all these guys have dreamed about ever since they came onto the field. So I like the, the, the tactics that we've had um, as far as signing these offensive linemen, uh, but do I want to see, you know, George Fant, Alex Lewis, and Chuma Doga as the long-term starters on this teal team? I like them as depth guys, but I can honestly say that I would feel more comfortable having George Fant and Chuma Doga compete on the right side and bringing in a left tackle at pick number 11 and having the blind side taken care of for the next five to 10 years. That, to me, is the best plan as far as protecting Sam Darnold. So that's the direction in which I would go. They're setting themselves up because they do have a lot of depth now in the interior uh, line position. Um, we currently have three centers under roster uh, with McGovern. Uh, Josh Andrews apparently has uh, some experience at center and guard. And then you also have Jonathan Harrison. So if I had to be a guessing man, uh, this may not be the best uh, scenario for Jonathan Harrison. Uh, he's 
2.225 million on the con- on the salary cap this year with zero dead money. In the event that this Josh Andrews player ends up working out well and Joe Douglas feels that he does not need three centers on roster, we could possibly be parting ways with Harrison and getting more money on the salary cap. More possibly when they go into this draft, we come away with maybe two, maybe three new offensive linemen. Now I preferably would like two offensive tackles and somebody on the inside to compete for the long term. I think that would be the best way to get your line healthier. I mean, young, younger, because young guys, you never know where, you know, how high their ceiling is going to be as far as their talent's concerned. And rookie deals are the cheapest that you can get. So it's the best way to build a team is to get quality hits from your draft because you're not tied to big contract deals. So that could be one of the lucrative ways that Joe Douglas can get this team back on track. Finding young, talented guys to protect Sam on the cheap, and that gives you the opportunity to sign your mega deals for players like Jamal Adams. You know, in a year from now, we're going to be talking about Marcus May. And then we're also going to have to be dealing with the biggest contract of all, Sam Darnold. And we better hope that he plays well enough to where we are talking about a mega extension for Mr. Darnold. And I think that's what everybody wants as far as, you know, the direction of this this organization and this team. Now, Sam has had – he had a rough rookie year. His second year was – maybe even more difficult having to battle internal health concerns with mono kid lost uh, I believe one of his toenails the week after he became healthy had that removed and then he banged up his non-throwing hand and had his hand stepped on can't remember the game specifically I know it was somewhere between that October to November uh, games and he had his hand stepped on he played through it kids tough as nails the offseason had started, he did have a, a little bit of minor corrective surgery on that hand. So Sam's a tough guy. He he fought through it all. And, uh, you know, hopefully going into year three, we found a way to reduce the amount of sacks and hits that he's going to take. Hopefully this leads to cleaner pockets so that he can go through his progressions and truly develop. Rather than having to run for his life, and you know, even though Sam does a lot of great things on the run, and when plays break down, that's not the game plan that we should have for this young quarterback. And the reason why I say that is because you develop bad tendencies when you're constantly leaving the pocket, because receivers are running their routes and expecting the ball or expecting, you know, predicated on what the defense is showing for the quarterback to be looking their way and Sam's running in the opposite direction, pointing through traffic, trying to get people to come back to him to make a play. Now we all love those crazy throws that he makes, but I would like to see a lot more completed passes from inside the pocket where he's standing tall, he's reading the defense and he's picking them apart, being more of a game manager. 
I know people say, oh, we don't want a game manager. That's a big misconception. Sam does need to learn how to manage games. He's only, this is his third year. At what point in time do we expect him to know how to manage a game? You know, we threw him right in there, sink or swim. So far, he's, he's been treading water and he hasn't sunk. But if you do want this team to be a competitive organization that is in the playoff conversation for this year, next year, and all the years to come, you have to find ways for Sam Darnold to learn how to be the best quarterback that he can be. And that all starts up front with the offensive line. So I do feel that with all the interesting signings that has been made thus far, there's still more work to be done as far as keeping Sam Darnold upright. Now, there's a couple names out there that I want to talk about. Um, something that I, I keep seeing, um, a lot of people want the Jets to use either a third-round pick, maybe a third and a fourth-round pick, maybe a third round and a fifth round, whatever way you feel what is fair in your mind, and go after Trent Williams. Trent Williams might be one of the best options out there as far as what's left in free agency, and he might be better than the rookies that are coming into this class right now. He's got experience. He's he's a proven pro bowler. But I have some red flags. I'm curious about his health situation. I'm curious about where he is mentally because we've already seen that if things don't go well, he's got no problem holding out. The rumors are speculating that he is looking for $20 million per year. Now, like I said before, we have $36 million left in cap space without having a couple guys signed at the moment. So that number will be reduced, and it can be increased if cuts come, as I've already said. But to take two-thirds of what we have left for Trent Williams might be detrimental to this team as far as not being able to fill in holes that are big needs at corner, at edge, and at the wide receiver position. Here's something that I would thought of today. Why wouldn't we just maybe bring back Kelvin Beecham? If people really, really want some veteran experience, Better the devil you know than the one you don't. Now, Kelvin Beecher may not be the best option in a lot of people's minds, but he was the best offensive lineman that we had last year. Glenn and I consider him average. And average guys can keep your team honest. Above average guys obviously take you to better places. But for right now, I would be happy maybe offering somewhere between 8 to $10 million and bringing back Kelvin Beecham maybe on a $20 million deal, you know, formulate it the way that you did with George Fan, give us an option to get out of that next year. And now you have Beecham at left, you move Fant over to right, and that gives everybody their opportunity to go out and get a wide receiver and have a number one wide receiver target for Sam at pick 11. And, you know, there's a player that I didn't mention that I'll throw in there now, and that was Henry Ruggs. A lot of people have Henry Ruggs as their sleeper number one guy. He's extremely explosive. Uh, You know, one of the fastest guys in the draft, probably going to be one of the fastest guys coming into the league. Uh, He, you know, he was a guy that wanted to break the, uh, 
uh, 40 times. He missed it by a few tenths of a second. That, that's good enough for me, to be quite honest with you. Uh, so the Jets do have options there. Um, you know, if they decide to bring in another tackle, that might be able to get them the opportunity to go wide receiver, and everybody can be happy saying that Sam's got a great target. So that's just something to think about. Um, I see here that we've got a few more minutes uh, before I wrap up tonight. So I'm going to close out the show here. Um, um, that I feel that maybe the Jets should go for before April. Um, and the first guy I'm going to say is Everson Griffin. Now, it may be hard to figure out a way to come up with the right amount of money and get this guy the right deal for the long term. We, we know what happened with Anthony Barr last year. I won't talk about that. This is another Minnesota prospect but we can't just get he's on the same mindset as Barr. Um, and it's quite shocking that he has not found a team yet. But, you know, teams are running out of money. And surprisingly, the Jets are actually one of the top teams, as far as salary cap's concerned, left before we get to April. So there's a little bit of leverage there for the Jets. Um, they might be able to offer more money than other teams and we all know that this, this is a business, not only a sport, and players will come if you have the right money on the table. So one of my targets that I would go for, if you want to make a splash toward Everson Griffin, I think that he would bring a dominant presence off the edge, uh, something that we haven't had in a long time. And a player like that can create for other players like Jordan Jenkins, like Mosley, like Williamson, and the other guys that we rotate on that outside position, like Kyle Phillips and Terrell Basham. Another guy that I'd like to see, complimentary piece, Taylor Gabriel. Now, his stats aren't going to blow you away. Um, and I kind of feel that he's kind of been buried over the last couple of years and just kind of not in great situations. But you come to the Jets, and you have a real opportunity to make something of yourself here. And if you play well, you'll forever be loved in New York. So that would be somebody that I would look to bring in. And one of the last guys that I would like is Logan Ryan. Um, he's another older corner, but he brings in a lot of experience, and he plays hard-nosed football on the outside. He can really keep you honest as far as the outside cornerback position is concerned. And I think that that would really solidify the defensive backfield. And Logan Ryan is definitely one of my top targets. So, guys, we're at the 60-minute mark here. And uh, you know, I hope you guys like the show. Uh, please let me know your feedback about what Jets targets you think that they should go for. You can follow me at Twitter, at NYJetsLife24. I love having conversations with everybody, good, bad, or indifferent. Don't always agree, but I'm always here for Jets conversation. That's, that's, that's a given. And you can also go down to JetNation.com, get involved in the forums. Now's a good time to try to find a distraction with all the chaotic things that we're dealing with in our lives at these days. And so 
download our podcast, give us a like, give us a review. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. It's been great. I'm looking forward to next week. And hopefully Joe Douglas comes out and gets us some more studs uh, before we get into uh, the ending part of NFL free agency. Thank you. Have a good night, Jet Nation. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!